We're here to ignite your fire by highlighting the success and innovation of other movement professionals. This is the PT on Fire podcast. PT on Fire Nation, in episode 18, this episode, Andrew and I are talking about the six key metrics for every PT practice. And the cool thing is, Andrew is speaking from experience as a clinic owner himself. Uh, so he's down in the trenches every day doing this stuff. And so it's, it's, it's a great conversation. I enjoyed having this conversation, uh, talking about real life stuff for the private practice PT clinic. The reality is there's hundreds of metrics you can look at nowadays with EMR systems and all this CMR systems and all that. But there really is six that I've learned over time from other people. Not I'm not making this up. I'm learning this from consultants and from people that I've, you know, mastermind groups. And so we're going to talk about the six key metrics. And of course, like always, we're going to give you something free. We actually have an awesome, uh, an awesome freebie today that's actually going to help you automatically calculate the six key metrics and it's all the formulas are done for you on an excel spreadsheet i think you're gonna love it easy way to get it go to ptofire.com to episode 18 and download it in the show notes or right now from your phone you can text to the numbers 44222 the words download 18 very simple hope you enjoy this episode All right, welcome back, uh, Physical Therapy on Fire Nation. This is uh, Dr. Andrew Brecky sitting next to Dr. Nick Hawkins, and today we're going to make it a short and sweet, but we're talking about clinic metrics. And with all these different EMR systems and different consultants out there helping people in the physical therapy and health professions world, it, there's, there's endless thousands of metrics that you could track. And what we want to do today is we want to simplify all that. And we want to break it down to six. What are the six key metrics that a practice should track? And then how, how does that help the practice, not only from the employer standpoint, but from the employee standpoint? And this kind of ties back in, Nick, to our conversation with Bob Wiersma about variable compensation. And I forget which episode that was, but that was a really great episode. Uh, but I think it, it ties in, the perspective ties in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, I think it's totally necessary, not just for a business owner, but for, for the staff kind of therapists like myself, it's, you know, you can't just kind of mindlessly be in the dark and going through day after day after day without having a pulse of what's going on. And, you know, clinically it'll help you, um, you know, and then just being aware of things going on in the, in the clinic as well. So from a kind of a business standpoint, it just helps even as an employee to be informed about things. You know, and I, I can remember uh, in my previous job when we would, it was a really, really intense statistical environment. So like we had weekly meetings about stats and it was intense. And I, I really, I grew to hate that. And when I came uh, into my own setting, I made it a, a mission of mine not to be a numbers driven environment. And, and we did that for about four years and, and, now I have more of an appreciation for how important it is to, because numbers don't lie, and it helps it helps you understand what's happening when you go from one or two people to seven or eight people or multiple clinics. You need to have a pulse. You have to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening. But the reason that I think I look back and I, I hated that environment 
was because I didn't know why we were talking about the stats. I had no clue, like, who cares mm -hmm. what uh, my production numbers are? Who cares what the percentage of arrivals are? Um, who cares how many new patients we have? And, and part of the reason I didn't care was because, number one, I didn't know why. I didn't see any reason why I should be having to talk about this because, because it didn't affect me directly. So my pay structure, the way that I was paid on salary, had no, it didn't matter how many, we could have five new patients or we could have 30 in one week and it didn't matter to me because I wasn't paid that way. So if you're going to have an environment where the management is worried about units per visit and numbers of visits and yet you're not, your performance is not reflective on your pay, then it's almost annoying. Like it becomes really annoying to have to go through those. But if you have an environment where every single person in the company, from the builder to the therapist to the owner um, to the office manager to the PTA to the tech, all those people are paid based on performance, and that performance and that pay is variable, then it really makes sense, and it's and it really makes sense for everybody to be engaged and to be aware. Mm -hmm. And what we did actually, I think, Nick, in our beginning experiment on this variable compensation idea, the problem with me was I was trying to. I was trying to create this system where everybody's paid on performance, but then no one knew how they were performing. And so it was like really scary for people, I think. I, and I know I, and by the time we had got onto it, I, I was a little bit more practiced, but I think even in the beginning, wouldn't you say that it was just a little bit hard to figure out where you are? Yeah. You know, like what's going on on a daily, weekly basis? Right. Yeah. It was hard. To, it was a very, it was a complex system that was, you know, it's hard to, it was hard to make it simple enough to see, you know, how, if you have a cancel today and tomorrow and the next day, how that directly correlates to your incentive, right? Which which then drives you to not be as engaged with the with like you said the pulse of things, which trickles down to you not being as engaged with patients because ultimately the more engaged you are with patients, the more likely they are to show up. And with when you have the metrics that you can track, when you have the the easy to see. Um, incentive and, and that just drives value and that's what Bob was talking about with um, with it ends up being a pay based on your value because the more value you offer the more likely the person is to show up and the more you're gonna get paid essentially right right and 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 starting and it takes a while to start to understand that and, and learn it and ultimately though numbers have to drive that conversation like you have somebody who comes in on variable comp and you have a performance review and you talk about, well, you know, gosh, your salary really was what you, you made basically the minimum. You made the minimum. You made it, but you, you know, there's no variable uh, payment that's, that's due because, and then you look back and you go, well, look at your percentage of arrivals were 80% for the last six months or your units per visit were three. And, and then what happens is you go, the, the person who's sitting across the table looks at me and says, well, but I never knew that my percentage of arrivals were 80%. I never knew that my units were lower than the other guy who's, you know, doing better than me as far as performance. And so now you get into a situation where like you have to have metrics on a weekly basis and a monthly basis and a quarterly basis in order to understand where you are so that you can you can look yourself in the mirror and say, "Okay, why am I why is my performance why is my arrivals 80% and his is 97? What am I doing? What can I do? What can I do better?" And, and, and being able to use numbers to drive the conversation is super important. But then numbers scare people, though, I think, because they, there's so many that you mm -hmm. can look at and they're confusing. And and uh, which ones can you control? Right. Which ones can't you control? And um, and so that's really what we're trying to do today. We're trying to just kind of simplify it and, and help um, help everybody understand, like, what are six main ones that we can really look at?
Um, so let's talk about the first one. So obviously one of the easiest ways to, to, to track the, the pulse of a clinic is to look at new patients. And, and new patients is going to give you a sense uh, you know, of how there's, there's – when I was once told there's a little algorithm where you know, if you have five new patients uh, a week, is going to to maintain a full schedule for a physical therapist. So that was actually my goal when I first opened was I need five a week, you know, five a week. That was my goal. And, and even now it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to bring somebody on and we really like somebody, we had a student we really liked and we want to bring them on. We don't necessarily need to bring them on. We want to. That also sets a goal in my mind to say, okay, we really need to jump our numbers up to five more per week, which ends up being 20 more a month. And, um, and that gives us a gauge. And so tracking new patients and, and setting the goal, okay, we've hired a new guy now, I need to have five more or 20 more next month. And so I better look at my numbers and make sure we're hitting that so that we're not all of a sudden uh, two months from now. And, and, and partly recognizing that if everybody's paid on performance, if I hire people unnecessarily and that opens up the schedule and there's all these holes, everybody starts to perform less. Mm -hmm. And so that's not good, right? I mean, I'm not from your perspective, that would right. be like, well, why did you hire this guy? You right. know, like, so it's my responsibility to make sure that we meet that demand. Like we, we have to be able to bring in more people. So I, I have a plan. I'm going to do a little bit more with marketing and, and we've got a good strategy where I feel like we're comfortable enough to do that. Um, so new patients is definitely something. And then from your perspective, like new patients also, obviously we know is higher reimbursement. So from a performance standpoint, you know, knowing that you've had uh, the uh, uh, enough new patients per week is going to help drive what it looks like for you on a weekly basis. Isn't yeah, it? absolutely, and it doesn't it doesn't become something that yet that you're uh, irritated with because you know it's a little bit extra paperwork. Uh, you know, you know you'll get reimbursed a little bit more within the within your performance for having those. And then, like what you know Andrew was saying, you bring someone on, there's holes. You know, it, it even it even drives the thought process of, okay, how can I, as an employee, do something where I'm helping drive patients into the clinic? Because it's not just the clinic that is making money, which, you know, that's that's good, but it's also me as a therapist that will be seeing some of it too. So, you know, if you're a clinic owner and you and you feel like your staff is just, they don't, they don't care, like what Andrew was saying, they don't care if we get new patients. It doesn't matter to me as a therapist, but it does. I think a lot of times the attitude is like, man, I've got so many new patients on my schedule this this day or this week. It's just, I can't, this is terrible. Management, they treat me terrible. The front desk doesn't like me. No one wants these evals. And it's a culture mm -hmm. where that's where a lot, of, how many people out there feel that way? I, mm -hmm. I guarantee you 90% of the people out there, when you have evals on your schedule and you, let's say, let's say we're, that we're here's the scenario, three evals in a row, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody out there right now who's a PT is going, yeah, that's terrible. I hate that. But if you switch, if you flip it and you say, well, wait a minute, like, why do you hate that? You should love that. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to get reimbursed double mm -hmm. and you're being paid on performance like that, mm -hmm. yeah, it's more work. But, like, you're going to hear anyways. Yeah. And you're, you're here at work anyways. You right. might as well be getting reimbursed double and getting paid double for that time. Yeah. Really, and the, the only reason to hate it is documentation because every eval you have, you're giving somebody hope that. Come, that comes in depressed where they're at in life and and frustrated with their pain. So even on a personal level, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be something that we that we hate or are irritated with, but we are because of the documentation. We don't and we and you know we don't feel like we see any more money 
or because of it. But you know, take all that aside, this what Andrew's talking about kind of helps with those those feelings. Yeah, the traditional environment is why should I work any harder in the time I'm here when I'm going to get paid the same? And that's why you shouldn't be talking to your staff and tracking stats if they're not paid based on the stats. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't make any sense. It's irritating. I was in that environment. I hated it. Mm-hmm. And it almost it almost ruined this environment because I didn't want I – was, I was really digging my feet in the ground, not wanting to track stats and not wanting to talk about stats. And I can tell you, actually, in the five years we've been open, two months ago is the first time I've been – forcing myself to talk to everybody here about stats and and it's new for everybody and and I'm really trying to learn from what I did before and make it consistent but also make it purposeful and and so new patience is a really really good thing um, the, the second one that really fits well with what um, with what we are uh, talking about right now as far as the culture and the attitude of people that are here is really attendance rate and so you could call that percentage of arrivals or attendance rate but basically it's saying like as an individual and as a clinic you know what are your benchmarks what are you seeing how many no-shows and cancels are you getting and and I how many people are out there right now that that are happy when they get a cancel that are praying because they're having a bad day and they're wishing for a cancellation and I know because I've been there before and again it was the old environment I was in where uh, you know, who cares if I have a cancel? I get paid either way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right because you, PTs were always busy. We're always behind with paperwork and, and things that we need to be doing. But but if that cancel equals, you know, for example, $30 less that you're going to be making over the span of that day, does that change your thought process? Does that make you want to remind the person when they're leaving the clinic the previous visit, when their next visit is that you're looking forward to seeing them? Does that make you do things little things like that that really prevent the innocent mistakes by the patient or prevent them from just skipping out because they don't see the value of PT. You know, definitely there's a top, there's a connection to it. I think there actually for you, I think the way yours is right now is $38 every time someone cancels, you know, so it, it, knowing that number and knowing like when we talk about it as a group and, and being able to, to just go and look back at the past week in the past month and say, okay, wow, you know, what, where am I? Where am I compared to everybody else that's here? Where am I to national benchmarks? And, and then just having that conversation and being aware. I can remember um, way back when I had this, um, I, I had, a, I was, for the, like a year and a half, I had like 97% or higher uh, when I was in my old environment. And I had a week where I was like 85. And I had a, I had a tragedy happen in our family. And it was a pretty emotional week. Uh, for me and I remember the following week when we had the staff meeting, you know I had gone 97% and then I got called out in the in the group for being in the 80s at that time and and um, You know and I was my attitude then was that you can't control uh, Cancellations and no-shows like as a, as, as a PT. There's no control the weather how you know, whatever people just don't want to be compliant and, and but now looking back on that and seeing and kind of looking at the stats and understanding and realizing that like, yes, I had a bad week at the time. I really couldn't see that, but it was brought up to me. It was still really annoying because who cares, right? Why do I care if I had an 80% week? Like mm-hmm. I get paid the same, right? But I can look back and now my attitude towards that is all about value. Like you were just talking about, like if I'm demonstrating value to the patient, they're going to show up. If I have strong relationships with the patient, they're going to show up. So I do have control over those things. And um, not all of it, but definitely some of it. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> you know, and like you said, it comes down to value. The kind of the spirit behind the metrics is 
we, you know, everybody truly believes the, the more people that, you know, the, that you can touch and impact, you're going to help them. Right? That's why we got into this profession anyways, is to be able to help people and, and set, you know, with the metrics like this, it just it makes you as efficient, effective as a company, I think, and, and as a staff therapist as, as possible, which is just going to, you know, enhance your ability to help people. Absolutely. So, so we talked about new patients, we talked about attendance rate, and then I would say another really important um, element is to just talk about how many visits we've had, you know, and setting goals. Like, um, you know, for me, again, I was told a long time ago by a really smart guy uh, that, you know, your space actually dictates how many visits you can have. So when you look at um, a thousand square foot space, you could basically have a hundred patients uh, a week per thousand square feet. So if you've got a 4,000 square foot facility, you know, looking at uh, 400 patients a week as a goal is really smart. And then setting those goals and talking about those goals as a group and, and celebrating when you reach milestones and, and, and then also recognizing like, wow, I, I really know, even though I may not have been here this week, I know you guys were super busy and like, you got, you know, just recognizing and, and people will go, yeah, like I really appreciate the recognition. And then of course visits, is going to be something that uh, you know affects the individual performance and productivity. And so, you know, when you look at that and you, someone says to you, "Well, I, I want to make ninety thousand dollars a year," and you, you then you can reverse engineer that and say, "Okay, well, in order to do that, we can come up with a number of visits that you need to be able to see per day and per week, per month, and then trying to figure out a strategy for that. Mm -hmm. You know, how do I do that? Is that with support staff? Is it?" Is it doubling patients when I can? Is it working longer hours? You know, and whatever the person chooses to do, but then that allows you to help them with strategies to meet the goals that they have. So visits definitely becomes one of the elements that can be controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, and, and it becomes the the thought. Then you have to say, okay, well, knowing that if I if I'm if I want to double every 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 person, or if I want to see three people an hour, is that going to affect the quality of care? Which will that affect the attendance rate? Probably, yeah. So, right. you know, there's that sweet spot where you need to still give quality. People deserve the quality um, without – so you want to you want to see as many as you can, uh, but with still giving that value and the quality that people deserve. So that it's not some easy equation um, by any means, but it's, it's always things that should be on our minds. Right. And you can even test it. So you're using these metrics to test. So let's say one month, uh, Nick – you know, we increased his visits by six a day because he was doubling some patients. And then, you know, but at the same time, his attendance rate goes down by 10%. Mm -hmm. And you can look at that and go, wow, like that was a wash. Mm -hmm. You know, did that really help anybody? You know, and, and so I think, again, talking about that. And just so everybody knows out there, like we've begun talking about these as a group in staff meetings each week, as well as individually presenting our metrics to the group. And then, and then just talking about them, you know, and, and not discouraging. It's not a negative thing, but it's, it's like, we just had uh, a therapist last week who I was actually pretending to be her because she wasn't here. She had a hundred percent week on all stats. And it was like, man, too bad she's not here today because we really want to build her up. And just, that's great. And, and it's actually, uh, you know, historically somebody who's newer and usually newer, newer grads struggle with that. So to see that come first full circle, like a year and a half, or I guess I've spent a year, almost two years. Well, yeah, about a year, year and a half, and, and to see that those stats change, that's a really, really big win, you know, for that for that individual. So, it really should be a positive thing, not a negative thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking at the so we talked about new patients, we talked about visits, tracking them, we talked about attendance rate, and then we've got three more. So, so the next ones really get into billing, and and I think it's important, like 
the first one is going to be charges. So we need to be able to track our charges and present those charges and see what we're charging. And that that really goes down to you know what type of units are we billing, what type of insurance companies are we seeing, um, you know. But the charges definitely have an impact on some of these individual performance. So for example, if I have a uh, if I have a, uh, when I'm treating somebody, um, you know. I'm a, I'm a traditional therapist maybe who is used to doing lots of modalities in manual therapy. Well, the reality is like manual therapy and, and, and modalities um, are going to be significantly less as far as per, you know, per charge and reimbursement. And so that's fine to be able to choose to do that as a therapist. But when you're asking to get paid more, your value is less because you are choosing to do a lot of modalities. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just having that, like you said, having the freedom, if you, if you want to, if you want to treat like that, you know, we're not saying, no, you can't. We're saying, understand, here's the metrics that you can see. It's transparent that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make less in my incentive than my coworker. And I shouldn't have feelings of resentment towards that. Right. Because ultimately it's your decision. Right. And, and it just, again, it's transparency and, from an individual therapist perspective, as well as from a global perspective, a management perspective, being able to see what the charges are, what the trends are, um, you know, and, and, and over a long period of time, how are the charges changing? Are they going down? Are they going up? And then we get into the next metric, which is collections. Collections are going to be obviously what you what you received in reimbursement from the insurance companies, as well as what patients have paid uh, on their balance. And and that really is a nice way to be able to monitor uh, what type of repairs are you seeing? What, how well is your biller doing? You know, is your biller collecting on what you're charging? And um, it, and that really helps um, everybody kind of motivate the biller because she's responsible ultimately for what the therapists are going to get paid. I mean, if she's not collecting and and doing her job on old accounts and uh, you know making sure that these claims are submitted properly, that's going to negatively affect everybody below her. Um, you know, so having a nice open discussion about how our collections are going on a monthly basis makes sense. And then, you know, we, we take it even another layer there, which is, you know, if we have any accounts we're collecting on, you know, we, we want to talk about who they are, if they're not paying, you know, is there a financial hardship? And so we want to try to be flexible. And then as a group, we can decide, you know, like we might have somebody with, let's say a $5,000 balance and, and we know that this person is, you know, their house just burned down. And, and so instead of, the, th the owner saying, well, no, we're collecting on that. Um, the group might decide that we don't want to, but it's a collective agreement that the group is saying we're willing as a group, since we all are going to be affected by this, to allow this person to not um, not pay us. You know, we're going to write it off, but it's going to affect everybody. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, that's the key. All these decisions affect everybody. It's not just, you know, you don't have management sitting up top looking down when you have, it's all, it's all a group decision, which... Is, it's very valuable to keep everybody on the same team engaged, uh, wanting to be a part of the decision making, and uh, that's that's kind of the, the key behind this. You know, I can remember too, back in the old environment, the biller hated the rest of the people in the company, especially the front office. And because imagine like if the therapist doesn't document right, and then the claim gets denied, or the front desk doesn't put in the information correctly, and the claim gets denied, and the biller's got to work more, and the biller gets paid the same regardless, and so those claims just sit there, and and it's a it was a really like us versus them environment, and in our environment, I think our biller is just as a part of the team as our therapist and our front desk and our personal trainer, you know, everybody's a part of the team, and I think that drives the culture of like, yeah, we we want to help you when you need help, and we want you to help us when we need help, and um, again, tracking it is really important. Mm -hmm. 
And then finally, the the sixth metric that that um, I believe I, I, it's hard because you're narrowing out six. Um, you know, I would say that the sixth most important metric is to is to really track. And I'm going to throw a curveball out here because I, I was going to say expenses are a really important one, but I actually think graduation rate might be the sixth most important one because you know if you've got a ton of new patients and visits and you're just you're really busy and your marketing is working. But if you have what Chad Madden calls a leaky funnel, Chad Madden is the guru of marketing. We had him on episode one. If you guys haven't listened to him, I encourage you to go back and listen. Um, but, you know, the graduation rate is basically saying, are the patients that are coming in the door completing their plan of care? And we know a national statistic, statistic is 70% of patients don't complete a plan of care. That's a leaky bucket. You're mm -hmm. filling up your bucket. <laughs> excuse me, you're filling up your bucket and there's a bunch of holes and the water's just pouring out. And uh, having that, we, we, we use the term here, passive discharges. We talk about each one of those and what the number is. Um, and, and that's basically anybody who calls and cancels all their appointments and didn't finish the plan of care. The graduation rate, really, if you wanted to look at that, it would be even more in depth. It'd be, it'd be all of your new patients and then you'd have to track, did they complete their plan of care, regardless of whether they called and canceled or not? Like, did they graduate early? Did they, you know, did the doctor tell them to stop coming? To keep it simple, right now as a group, we talk about the term passive discharges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it comes down to, to ma just managing your case and uh, just being aware of, of each patient and just managing the case. If they, you know, if they're not doing well, being, being aware that they're not doing well, being open to have that conversation with them. And uh, that it's okay. Hang in there. You know, have the conversation. Uh, it's when you aren't aware of of your caseload. Of your, it's, it's when you're not managing your case. That's when that's when people start falling off. That's when they they go back to their doctor and say, PT didn't work for me. Um, I need more pain meds or I need surgery. Uh, it's just yeah, the graduation rate. It comes down to managing your caseload, being aware of how your patients are doing, and uh, not kind of being blind to that. You know, then if you talk about it as a group and you're tracking it, then you can have conversations like, wow, this week we had five or 10, you know, it'd be a really high number. And then you can kind of talk about like, well, what's been going on? So recently we had this conversation. And I think it, the conclusion comes down to the fact that it's, we're understaffed, um, where our volume is super high, our, our new patients are super high. Um, but I think patients, it's hard to manage um, all the relationships and, and really deeply connect with people when you've got a million new people coming in and it's busy and there's no spaces for anybody to come in and people are waiting three weeks for the next appointment because we had a six-week waiting list. So I think as a group, we kind of collectively said, you know, I think that's really why. But that drives, that drives me then to say, okay, let's hire somebody because this is a terrible problem. People aren't, this can't continue, you know. So I think that, and you may come to a conclusion as a staff as different different things that are happening, you know, um, you know whether it's a new grad and it needs a little bit of help or whether it's, um, you know, the environment. Is it too, uh, is it not private enough? You know, is it the doctors who are referring to us? I know we've had that discussion about, you know, some of the doctors in town, the way they pre-frame patients coming in here about, well, you have to go there before surgery. You know, those are the worst patients and then they're not going to stay very long, you know, so. Anyways, those are six really easy ways to track it. And like we always do, we like to give things to you so you can be better at what you're doing and, um, and hopefully learn from our mistakes and, and our, you know. So today what we've got is that we've got a nice Excel spreadsheet with some formulas that track these on a weekly and a monthly basis. 
and it and it's just you just got to plug the numbers in and it'll do it for you. So we're gonna throw the spreadsheet out there for you where you can do your six uh, key metrics. And uh, all you have to do is go to ptofire.com forward slash download six seventeen. Sorry, download seventeen. Or or you can text to the number four four two 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 download seventeen. So that's yours for free. We hope you enjoy it. Um, and we hope that you enjoy listening to us today. Thanks for tuning in. Man, we get nerdy sometimes, but we do think it's important when we're speaking about the health of a PT practice to take these six key metrics very seriously. I can tell you for about three years of starting a business, I came from a company that really overloaded on metrics. We would track 20 metrics every week and it was very, very overwhelming. And I hated it, so I, when I went on my own, I avoided it. And it's not a good thing to avoid. So if you're not out there, at least having these six key points when you're watching your business, you're at risk. So as always, a reminder, we've got a freebie for you. We wanna give this away to you. It's gonna be a tool to help you manage the six key metrics. Two ways to get the freebie. Go to the website, ptofire.com, and go to the episode 18, and just go in the show notes and download it. Or you can right now from your phone text to the numbers 44222 the words download 18. Very easy. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Next up, episode 19 in two weeks is going to be Corey Bridges. Corey Bridges is a... Tell us about Corey real quick here. Well, Corey uh, was a professional athlete, uh, NFL. He uh, played college football, was a track and field athlete. Now, and he explained, he'll explain how that kind of led to his drive to study movements of other athletes and and become kind of ingrained and obsessed with how our bodies move. And now Corey is a personal trainer where he's training professional athletes on a, on a, on a daily basis in all different sports. So he'll talk about kind of using the movement principles that, that he's learned and applying it. And it doesn't matter what sport you're working with as long as you know how the person moves. And I can say it's not censored. So there's some language in that episode. If you got any kids listening, you might want to have the headphones on. So again, looking forward to episode 19, Corey Bridges. Uh, if you guys can do us a favor and, and review us on iTunes, that would be awesome. And if you could share us on Facebook with your friends or just at the coffee table. Please, we would look forward to it. Thanks, bye.